Welcome to Listener, a crew podcast. I'm your host, Sam Holland. Listeners, I have a special message for you today. December 17th was my last day as RMO staff with crew. Maybe some of you knew that, maybe some of you didn't. But I wanted to take a moment and say thank you. Thank you for journeying with me on the Listener Podcast for the past four plus years. Thank you for engaging all the stories from all the guests that have been on the Listener Podcast. There's over 50 episodes. This has been my favorite project I've ever worked on in crew. And I'm going to miss it. Truth be told, I don't know what the future holds for Listener Podcast. And I only have a vague idea of what it holds for me. But I hope that the spirit of the listener podcast to lean in and listen, to share stories and learn from each other, to consider perspectives that are different from ours, lives on in crew long after I'm gone. I have really enjoyed spending the last year in the city ministry of crew. And here's why. I love city's focus on everyone finding their place in God's story. You're going to hear Jake Abraham talk a little bit more about that in today's episode. But I truly feel like Crew City is sending me out into the world to continue finding my place in God's story. That is God's invitation for each and every one of us. And it's his invitation to me, no matter if I'm RMO staff, associate staff, or not staff at all. And so I want to encourage you in what you do that you would always be finding your place in God's story, no matter what your vocation is. As I leave crew, I want you to know that podcasting is important to the ministry. I've had many meetings in the past few weeks about the future of podcasting and crew. If you're interested in podcasting and the future of crew podcasting, please join the podcasting group on Workplace. I'm excited to see what happens in the future with podcasting. And I'm so grateful that I got to be in on the ground floor. God bless all of you. And if you want to connect with me in the future, email me at samanthalholland at gmail.com. And now for what's maybe the last episode of the listener podcast, please enjoy this interview with Jake Abraham, executive director of Crew City. Jake, I know you're living in Washington, D.C., and you're new to this role where you're leading out in city. And I just I want to start by just talking about football for a second. I didn't tell you we were going to talk about that. Which football? I don't really. I'm talking about American NFL. (laughs) Okay. This is the only sport. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) I'm I. I'm not an uh, sports, I'll say a team sports type person. That's not part of my story, but I married into someone who, I married someone who is, and I have two sons who are very into the NFL. So this is the, this is the only sport that I know at all. And it's because I'm in two fantasy leagues. And last night, (laughs) your Washington football team beat our Seahawks. Listen, we, we live in Portland, Oregon. We don't have a team. So we just sort of root for the Seahawks or the 49ers, depending. And the Seahawks are hurting. Listen, I really needed Tyler Lockett to get one more touchdown. 
last night and I would have beat Darren in one of our leagues. Okay. And it didn't happen. So do you, are you a fan of the Washington football team? Do you, do you go to the games? Do you like the NFL? I will let you in a little secret, but a little bit of context background. When you talk about football, I can talk about a bunch of different things when it comes to football for me. So there's, there's American football uh, or what we used to call gridiron in, uh, in Australia. There's Aussie rules football. Uh, and then there's real football, which is soccer, you know, the original football. Um, and I, I have had experience in all of them. But I am actually an NFL fan. And I'll let you in on a little secret, Sam. I am actually, in my family, we're all, we are Seahawks fans, believe it or not. We, Wait, because, what? Because, I know. Cause we, Listeners, we, I didn't we, know what? this. This That's is right. this wasn't planned. We are big time Seahawks fans. So my wife, Julie, is from Oregon. And I went to the university in in, uh, in Portland as well. And so and my son, Michael, uh, we've got four kids, number two, but is our oldest son. He's a big time Seahawks fan too. So we are mourning the loss, not just of the game, but probably the season with you <laughs> this morning. So, so sad. So sad. Yeah. Well, well, I didn't know that. That is a really fun fact that you're Seahawks fans. Yes, and we are. so you're in DC. How long have you lived there? And where did you live before? We just want to know more about you, your family, where you're from, those kinds of things. Yeah, so Sam, we moved up here to Washington, D.C. in 2017, so a little over four years ago. Um, I'll, I'll back it all the way up. I just uh, When you ask the question, where am I from, that, that always gets my head spinning because I call myself a, a cultural mutt in part because I've lived a number of different places. In fact, I've never lived in a single place more than – Oh, I think about nine years, eight, nine years. Um, and we've always moved. So I was born uh, in India. Uh, my, uh, I'll trace back even as it relates to faith, but my grandfather came to faith on my dad's side um, at the age of 15. It was very formative. The, the story is formative for me and our family in that he was kicked out of his house when he was 15 wandered the streets essentially, but the Lord, um, uh, through, uh, just his incredible provision would establish my father as a, as a leader, a church planter, but a church planter where it was a, out of a house church. Um, and, uh, on both sides of my mom's side, as well as my dad's side, just a, an incredible legacy of faith. And then my, the story of my mom and dad, my dad, uh, he was a, a communist leader um, in India growing up, uh, didn't want anything to do with, with faith, but then the Lord uh, brought him to faith. And that's a longer story. Uh, and then the Lord would bring uh, he and my mom together, and then they moved to the U.S. to go to seminary. Uh, and then of all, this never happened back then, but they moved back to India to start India Campus Crusade for Christ. And so I was born into the crew family, um, conceived and born on staff. <laughs> uh, that's a whole other story. But um, I born in India, the southern tip of India, a place called Kerala, often called God's own country. I'm sure there's a few other places would would want that mantle as well. 
but uh, moved when I was uh, two to a different city in India called Bangalore. And then when I was eight, we moved to the Philippines. So I spent most of my school years in the Philippines, uh, graduated from high school, then moved to Portland, Oregon uh, to go to college. And that's when, honestly, that's when I really started walking with the Lord, got involved with the crew movement. Uh, the Lord captured my heart and imagination for... Uh, being on on uh, staff and full-time ministry. So I graduated, um, and that's a whole other story of the calling there. But I uh, went back to India for two years, served as a missionary there. Uh, and then I um, went to, um, so from India, came back, married my wife, Julie, and we... Oh, we lived in Portland for about two more years, worked as an engineer, and then the Lord called us to Australia. And so we moved out to Australia in in 2001 and served there on the campus ministry for about uh, seven and a half years, had three of our kids who were born there, and then moved back to Orlando, Florida, served for about nine years in Orlando at the headquarters with crew, and then about four years ago, the Lord moved up to uh, up to D.C. So that's kind of the the full thirty thousand foot view, and so hence I call myself a cultural mutt, Sam. <laughs> wow. Okay. So Port, I heard Portland in there several times, which is of course yeah. where I live, outside Portland. Mm-hmm. And we both graduated from Portland State. No. Yes, we did. Yes. That's. I mean, come on. We're both. What are what are no. we? Vi- Vikings. Yeah. I forget what we are. I told you, I, I went to one football game in college. I hear you. Well, but that was Portland State. We, I mean, thank you for saying that. All right. So, yes, I love that you have roots in the Northwest. I mean, that's that's special to me and the staff out here, you know? Yeah, yeah. We actually have my sister's family. Uh, my, my, uh, sorry, my wife's family is all from there. My brother and sister-in-law are there. We were very involved with the campus ministry out there as well. So lots of friends and family. And Julie, my wife, grew up there in Portland too. So that's kind of a uh, a second, I don't know, second or third or fourth or whatever home <laughs> it is to us. <laughs> so cool. Well, when you were telling your story just now, you mentioned a few God moments, and I'd love mm. to talk more about those. So maybe share with us what are kind of the pivotal God moments in your life? You mentioned um, your grandfather in India mm. coming to Christ at age 15, and then your dad's conversion from a communist leader to a follower of Christ. So mm-hmm. those are sort of in your legacy, these pivotal moments. And how about you? What were the pivotal God moments in your life? Yes. Um, yeah, I think probably, you know, my story is always, as God works it, always, our stories are always connected, right, to other stories. And so, so much of my story is connected to the legacy and story of my mom and dad and my grandparents. Um, in fact, some of my earliest memories of, of even faith would be going to, to visit my, my grandfather. And um, when we were there at his home, he would take these straw mats and everybody had the little straw mat and put them on the on the floor these these hard um cement floor and he would just open up the scriptures and and teach us the scriptures and so i still remember 
those formative times growing up. And then with my with my parents, both just some of the most amazing people. They're still my heroes and will forever be, but spiritual heroes as well, um, who had such a deep, deep commitment to the Lord. I mean, my memories are grained in my mind or are just the, the prayers of my mother. Um, she was the most faithful prayer warrior um, and spent hours praying for for her family, for others, and then my, my father as well. And in fact, even in our, in our family prayer times, we would have lists of people that we were praying for. And it was just a kind of this, this powerful, um, a powerful example in legacy to me. Um, but for me, it was actually coming to college. And I still remember in college, it was a, a young man named Eric Spur at the time, who was, I think he was, he was a lifelong uh, university student. It took like eight years to get through his bachelor's, but I'm so grateful that the Lord kept him around that long because he invested deeply in me through through taking me through the scriptures and particularly through the, the book of Romans. And so we spent a lot of time um, just working through scripture, and that's where the Lord really got a hold of my heart and imagination, Sam. And... and um, and you know, when I went to college, my dream growing up is I always just wanted to be an astronaut. Like I, I as like every little kid, probably dreams about it. Um, and then, uh, so I went in with the intent of I wanted to get into aeronautical engineering. Um, I was I was a mechanical engineer as an undergrad, and it was kind of during that time the Lord just really captured my heart for missions and so um it was actually i still remember sitting in the office of dr chen who was my fluids fluid mechanics professor and he also uh was he he facilitated a, a fellowship with nasa and he asked if i would i would put my name in and and apply for that and i just remember the lord saying hmm no, I want you to go to India instead. So that that began the trajectory for me. But that's uh, even the beginning. I think the the calling of the Lord to to um, to serve Him in full time. That's not for everybody, of course. But for me, that was the unique calling that that I had. Hmm. I love when you mention, you know, your grandfather opening the Bible with your family hmm. there, and your the prayers of your mother, I think just as a parent and probably someday a grandparent, I think it's so significant. These mm. sacred rituals that we bring into our homes, you know, and sometimes, I mean, I'm sure you weren't always sitting there like, I love to read the Bible with grandpa. And right. I love it when my mother prays. But now, I mean, looking back and seeing how that mm. formed you mm. into someone who would then respond to God's call later in your life is really special to me. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. It just makes faith real. You know, it just makes faith. It's one thing I've, I've loved. I love the tangibility of faith. Um, you know, Jesus came and dwelt among, he became flesh. And so there's a, all of uh, our faith is so deeply tangible, and I, I love that. My my family helped me understand that. 
Jake, you've mentioned a couple times that you identify kind of as a cultural mutt. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that that's really intriguing because you've you've lived so many places. You, you're from so many places. I mean, even when I asked you that, you're you're not sure what to say. How has that been or has that been a difficult part of your story? And how has it really prepared you even for the leadership role you're stepping into right now? Yeah. Um, well, I'll start with the difficult part uh, of it. And Sam, I have always, uh, wherever I've gone, for whatever reason, I've always in, in, in some way felt like an outsider culturally, right? So I've never been in, in fact, even when I was back in India, even though I'm ethnically Indian, um, because I was I was raised for much of my life outside of India, I felt like an outsider. And so to be in, it, so you, when you ask the question, what culture or community do I belong in? Um, that's very hard to answer, right? So who are my peeps, <laughs> if I could call it that? And it's just hard to, to answer that because I'm from so many different places. So that's probably the downside of it. And there's a lot there that I can unpack. But but at the same time, I've just loved, um, I just loved uh, seeing God uh, reveal himself in so many different ways and in different cultures. Like I, there's a, there's a concept uh, in sociology called multiplexity. And the, the basic idea of multiplexity is that if let's say that you and I wanted to, uh, to get to know each other better, Sam, uh, we could, you know, let's say we met at a Starbucks once a month and had conversations, or we were on a Zoom call every um, every month, say. And I could there's certain parts of Sam I could get to know. But if we were to if if you were to come out, we were all as families to go out to the Seattle Seahawks and Reds, not the Redskins anymore, uh, thankfully, the <laughs> Washington Football Team game. Um, I would experience a very different side of you, Sam. Right. Or if we were to go down into the inner city and we were to serve at, at Cornerstone School and and read to, to kids down there, I would experience something very different in you. And that's because in different contexts, we, there's different parts of you that just get get understood. And that's how we we relate with people. I think that's the same thing with with the Lord. Right. There are certain aspects of God that we can only discover with people or from people and learn from people that are very different than us. And believe me when I say I have experienced people very different than me and continue to do so. And that's such a blessing to me because I, there's this, the, because the multiplexity of God, as it were, that I just experience and get to understand different aspects. I was just on a conversation with a friend from Africa who was talking about African spirituality. What do I need to learn? There's there's aspects because of his journey that he can uniquely speak to me to help me understand because of the story that he brings. That's the same thing with each of us. So I've loved being able to see God uh, um, incarnate, if I could use that term, into different cultures and to learn about him better because of that. And it challenges my faith all the time, right? It asks there are questions that I wouldn't ask otherwise that I need to be asking to help me grow uh, as someone who is a true follower of Jesus. 
Absolutely. Well, you brought up belonging and how sometimes if you're um, is tricultural or multicultural um, as an individual, it can make it extra hard to know where do I belong. I mean, to some extent, it's a, it's a human question that we're all asking, hmm. where do I belong? And I think even some staff are asking, you know, where do I belong? Well, and it's not just staff. Of course, hmm. the out in hmm. the world, the great resignation is happening and everyone's okay. um, rethinking everything because we're all living through this shared experience of a global pandemic and reassessing mm -hmm. who we are and what our values are and where we fit. So when you think about staff belonging, how mm. do you, I mean, you and I've talked about it, so I know you think about it. Yeah. How do you think about that as part of your role in leading city? Yes. Um, I, I mean, that is such a critical piece, Sam. And I, I, I want to kind of maybe hang this a little bit. I, I think, you know, language is a gift from the Lord. I, I look back at even some of our mission statements and vision statements in the past, and I've, I'm always marveling how much of a gift that is to us. And, you know, our within City, for example, our most recent iteration of our mission statement is engaging the curious, equipping the followers so that people find their place in God's story. And I've been reflecting a lot on that last piece, so people finding their place in God's story. And that isn't just, sometimes when we think about mission, we think about the mission out there, but it's not just the mission out there. That's the mission among us. And so for each one of us, the question is, what is, I need, as a leader, I need to be asking, what is Sam's place in God's story? What are the different staff? How are, how are each of us bring our own story? What are our unique places in God's story? What is City's place in God's story? What is Crew's place in God's story? And so this idea of can I, we've got to get down to okay, what how how has God uniquely um, created us and shaped us and um, orchestrated our stories to allow us to come to a place where we can actually, it's, it's not that we check ourselves at the door. No, we, we need to get to a place where we bring ourselves fully in because we need each other, right? And so this idea of how do I, how do I come in and uh, how am I able to be who God has uniquely called me to be? Now we have a unique mission, right? That gives us, this is what we're going to be doing. But within that mission, there's lots of space. There's a lot of space for us to, to bring who we are into that. But I also want to acknowledge that this is a hard conversation, right? Because there's a lot of people, myself included, honestly, that are struggling to find, uh, struggling with the question, do I fit? Do I fit? Um, where do I fit, right? Am I just crazy? <laughs> I mean, and, you know, there's so many times I think, Lord, I, I don't know what I'm doing here, right? Um, but I think that's the, 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 the truth is God has, um, he, ha he wants our belonging to happen. In fact, he, he's, he died to make that so. And so we belong in the kingdom and we belong to each other. Now, how, how do we navigate through that with all the differences of opinion? Oh, Sam, I, had, I honestly, there's so many times I just think, Lord, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. How do you? <laughs> but I keep coming back to the Lord wants this to happen. He prayed for this to happen. He gave his life so that this can happen um, for us to belong together. I love that. 
Um, we've touched on this, but let's talk more about it. How have you and your family navigated the past couple years in this pandemic? It's been such a hard time for just about everyone and maybe sometimes for different reasons, but, and we're not out of it yet. I mean, it's still, you know, there's a new variant all the time and, um, but you know, what have been the highs and lows? I know there've been silver linings for me and my family amidst lots and lots of loss and heartache and disillusionment, but how has it been for you? How are you navigating this? Yeah. And, um, thanks for acknowledging that, Sam. I mean, it's been hard, right? And sometimes there's this pressure, especially for us on staff, that, hey, you just got to suck it up and move on. Like, this never happened. <laughs> like, I mean, let's, we've got stuff to do, and, and um, that isn't helpful, right? That isn't helpful at all. We, Jesus meets us where we are. And so I look back at this season, and it's been a hard season. Like, it's been... Um, we, I, I think about our, our daughter who, um, spent her senior year in, uh, of high school and during COVID, right? I mean, just the detachment when you just think, see, you want your, your kid's senior year to be just their best. And that was a struggle, right? Um, the amount of time just navigating through how the world do you, do you, um, help kids who are um, for a season, at least our kids were online. Just I'm sure like your kids were, but there was, uh, you know, how do you help them navigate through the, the distance? Why can't they see their friends? Why like, you're always on eggshells with people as to whether, okay, can we have people over? Are people comfortable and uncomfortable and masks? No mask? I mean, all of those, and all of those just kind of in your psyche, they, 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 it gets to be quite traumatic. And so part of that is just acknowledging it. And uh, acknowledging for us has been, okay, this has been a hard season. And uh, one of the things the Lord has taught me, even in this season, is the importance of resting. Like the Lord, I think the Lord brings these things into our spaces and our stories because he's trying to teach us dependence, right? Um, And part of that dependence is just rest, Um, (laughs) Uh, and I think it was Ezekiel um, chapter 20, I think it is, where God says that he gave the people the Sabbaths as a reminder that it's the Lord who sanctifies, right? Um, the Lord who saves. Um, Jake is not the Savior. There's only one Savior, and it's Jesus. And so part of that reality, the season has been, for me, just being able to say, I, I can't do this. Um, Lord, um, I just need to rest in you. In fact, one of the things I, I wish I could have done, this probably been a horribly, horrible bad idea, which I'm glad I didn't do, but would I almost a mandate that everybody in city take a sabbatical? <laughs> I wish I but I will encourage everybody, please do, please do take advantage of the sabbatical. There's mental health days that we have at the organization. Take advantage of those things and don't be, there's no, we need to get beyond this. Like this is almost, oh, I, I've got to, I've, I've got to perform, right? I've got to get things done. Um, and yet the best thing we can do is actually to rest in Jesus and rest in God. So this season has been a difficult one uh, for us, just trying to navigate and continues to be, right? Uh, but part of the beauty has been going back and acknowledging, okay, what's, what has the Lord been teaching us even through this? Yep. 
Well, and we're heading into Advent, of course, as we enter yeah. December and look towards Christmas. And the days are still getting darker at this point, literally and figuratively, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know yet. Yeah. But um, as you think about, you know, belonging to Jesus and looking to him as our source of everything. What are some, I know like my rhythm I'll just share lately has been early morning. I'm alone by the Christmas tree and I've been engaging this. Have you seen the Lectio 365 app? It's just this app. It's really cool. It has a 10 minute devotion every morning and then a prayer every night. And it's been a good advent rhythm Mm. for me, one of the Mm. things I've been doing. So what about you? um, What are you hopeful for heading into Advent? And what are some of those rhythms that you or your family or your leadership team are entering into together? Yeah, Yeah, I know that's a great question, Sam. I probably need to learn from you in terms of some of those rhythms. Um, On the family end, my my wife, Julie, is just amazing to, to... take us through um, just even some, ad, some whether it's books on Advent or uh, like a Jesse tree and everything with that, some of that. Uh, there's a lot of different things that that she leads us through and kind of the, the reminder of that. Um, I think probably in terms of rhythm for me more broadly, um, and I've actually gone back even the, just recently and I've been making my way through um Tim Keller's book on prayer. Uh, I don't know if you've you've had a chance to read that, but I would highly encourage that. Um, but the the importance of prayer and how do you how do you make the space even in your schedule for that? And one of the practical things the Lord has led me to do, um, even as I've stepped into this role, is to actually you know first thing on Monday should not me be jumping into a meeting or jumping into my email. It really is, how do I create this space to just be with the Lord um, and listen to Him? So one of the things I put in my schedule, I encourage everybody to do this, is just Monday mornings is blocked off for me just to, to sit and um, and listen and, and pray um, and reflect. Uh, and, of course, I get distracted and I'm, I'm, I'm still establishing that rhythm, so I'm far from perfect on that. Uh, and then at noon, we have some of our, our leaders within city. We have a, a weekly um, prayer time that we get together and just just pray. And not everybody can come, but you know, it's just the importance of as a as a leadership team. How do you establish just the rhythms of okay? We got to be dependent on the Lord in prayer. And I feel like that's just scratching the surface, Sam, of what needs to be done. Again, the reminder is it's the Lord who saves unless the Lord builds a house, we labor in vain. Apart from him, we can do nothing. It's not by might or power, declares the Lord, but by my spirit. There's all these passages that just, and I, I'm so thick, and I just need to keep telling myself that, that, that Jake is like, this is the Lord. He's given you everything pertaining to life and God. And that's, that's the Lord. Um, but apart from him, you can do nothing. And so part of that rhythm is the rhythm of, of rest. Mm. And I'm still trying to figure it out. Honestly, it's really overwhelming right now without just stepping into this role. But but what's been the saving grace uh, the Lord's given me, even not just in the Advent season, but even during this, this season of transition has been uh, how do I um, how do I keep that time sacred? Uh, and those those regular times with the Lord sacred. 
I love that you're inviting us all to rest. And everyone listening, do you hear Jake is inviting you to rest? Mm -hmm. And we need to hear that from our leaders. Thanks for sharing it and modeling it. And thanks for just telling us more about your life and where you're from. And yeah, we look forward to um, the interim guiding team and all, all that you are planning and that we get to be a part of it with city. So to everyone listening, Merry Christmas, happy new year, and take Jake up on his offer for rest this holiday season. Thanks, Jake. Please, please. Thank you, Sam. And Merry Christmas from me as well to, to everyone. Enjoy the presence of our Lord, even as he is, he's present with us, right? He is, he is right here.